Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Probably your shortest shortest ever stint between podcast appearances. Uh, but I think we saw your last one was to recap your top 100 moments of the year, Mr. Adam Sarson, for 2017. But how many top 100 moments of 2018 happened today alone, Sunday at Bay Hill? Oh, God. Uh, probably at least three or four, right? I mean, you've got Tiger playing well. You've got Rory just blitzing the entire course Stenson hit driver off the deck with a driver today I have no idea like off the tee like it's it was crazy day today um Bryson saying air density on the 18th hole as well oh my god (laughs) oh my god it was so good that was like intentional right like he had to know the cameras were on him and what else did he say he said something about leverage or something compression I heard I heard air density and that that was it like I I, that that's that's all that mattered to me at that point I got too excited I typoed my tweet with uh with uh (laughs) my reaction to that I don't even care I got way too excited when he said that but I legitimately had trouble kind of figuring out whether or not we should start talking with Rory or Tiger because both stories were so incredibly significant this weekend but can't be the guy that just ignores the fact that Rory won for the first time. So we're, we we can do the whole Rory Rory's back thing, right? <laughs> uh, he never left. No. Would be would be would be my whole thing, right? It's like I know uh, I know you 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 and I have talked about this quite a bit before, right? It's like you know he yes okay he hasn't he hadn't won he didn't win at all in 2017, but there were so many things going on with him between you know the the injury and then the the, the club changes. Um, you know, he got married too. So like all those things were kind of going on around him. Um, I just, I don't think he was able to actually get settled in that all at any point last season. So, I mean, it kind of made some sense that, you know, he would, he would come out and he, and he played well at the start of the year in, in the Middle East on the European tour. Then he had a few hiccups when he came back over stateside. But I mean, th- this was going to happen. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that there was any, any doubt in my mind anyway that it was going to happen. I mean, the the way that he went up going about it though is 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 what actually shocked me more than anything. I mean, it was this was I believe Jake Nichols tweeted out that this was the first time um, in his entire PJ Tour career that he's that he led a tournament in strokes gained putting. Um, and I mean, the, the putter is what is what got it done. I mean, he he got about I think he I think he averaged what about two and a half strokes gained on the green per round this week, which is insane. It's over if he does that. Like it's over for absolutely everybody oh, yeah. else. I w- like I held out for so long on pressing the panic button, and I'm afraid to go back and listen to last week's podcast with Porter. Oh, you you, you kind of did. You you kind of hit the panic button last week. What did I, I mean, say? I'm afraid. I don't want to know. Actually, I, I, I wasn't I mean, panicked. But it was like, all right. I was just I was alarmed by how infrequently he was hitting the ball close to the hole. So right. I mean, I wasn't res- expecting this resurgence in the putting. I mean, I, I'm still, I'm still, I still own real estate on McElroy Island. There was no, uh, yeah, oh, I, I never sold it. Come on, come on. Uh, but I was like for the first time last week, kind of ready to discuss the fact that he was not playing very well. And I went down right. there for a few days this week, and I met, I, I walked a couple holes with him on Tuesday, kind of like easing into it, like, man, like what's what's going on? And he 
could not have been less concerned. Like, it, I, it, but it, to me, at the time, he obviously hadn't won yet. To me, it was kind of like, all right, like he, he's telling himself that he's he's still there, blah blah blah. And but he was totally not concerned, totally confident. And he actually like picked right before he went to that practice round, he picked up like some kind of tip from Pete Cowan on the range and was like putting it into action. Uh, and then turned out, went out and striped the ball this week, led the field in driving distance, proximity to the hole, and then got of course the put the the well documented putting tip now from Brad Faxon and uh, led the field in strokes gained putting. So uh, it was going to be a quiet year, hype-wise, leading up for him to the Masters, probably the most quiet since you know he had a chance to make this the career Grand Slam, but I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. No, I mean, look, I think I think it was uh, – I think Brendan Porath tweeted something out. Uh, I believe it was actually just a, a photo of a text message he had sent with him and Kyle Porter were going back on, and, and Kyle had mentioned that it seemed like Rory was kind of flying under the radar a little bit this week, and, and he was right. I mean – you know, everyone was obviously talking about Tiger and 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 how things were going to kind of play out this week with him. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's 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 strange. I mean, with 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 Rory, he's he's so good that like, you know, the 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 struggling is is something that I don't really give any credence to. To be perfectly honest, there's probably like probably anywhere from say ten to fifteen players in the world where it's just like, okay, you know what? You probably shouldn't worry about them. Rory Rory's one of those guys, Speed's one of those guys. Um to to your point though, it's like, you know, you know, look at look at Henrik Stenson this week too, right? Stenson's also one of those guys that when they're putting when he's putting well, he's almost unstoppable. And 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 Rory Rory's the, the best example of that. I mean, I can't imagine that that kind of red hot putter is gonna continue going forward but I mean not not at least at the level that it that it did this week because that would be that would be insane but I mean if he can putt anywhere near that that way I mean he's gonna win four or five times this year without question I mean he started slow today he was even through five then birdied six seven nine thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen and eighteen like he needed <laughs> he needed to finish in that fury though like that this leaderboard was was nearly unfair look like a WGC leaderboard oh yeah and yeah, no, it was crazy. It didn't happen for Stenson today, which I, I, I generally root for Stenson, but there was so much other stuff going on behind him that I was, I'm definitely not thrilled about it. But I was kind of like, all right, this is we needed that we needed something. I, I was I was obviously pulling for Tiger the most, and then when Rory when when uh, Tiger went OB, it was like, okay, it's Rory Rory's yeah. time now. And then he chips in on 15, it's routine birdie on 16, which is a joke. He had 119 <laughs> to a par five on the PGA Tour. Um, was it three seventy three off the tee? I mean, yeah. he he made he carried that bunker with such ease that like like I yeah I don't know it seems it seems unfair when he's when he's going to be hitting the ball that far. But I mean, so the the causes for concern with Rory were real, and that he'd fallen out of the top ten in the world for like the first time since I think two thousand nine. Which first yeah. one can we point to the absurdity of that? That's such a I mean, we just take him for granted in that regard, and. Is kind of amazing. I don't know. That, that amazed me that he never even fell outside the top ten during 2013. During that, I mean, he was number one player in the world in 12. So maybe that's how he just kind of held onto that ranking for that long. But that kind of stat amazed me. But uh, so yeah, well, there I mean, was- look, it's a it's a, it's a testament to like you know all the times that you know we talked about the 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 you know when he was changing equipment back and forth for the last few years. You know he never fell out. You know there's always there's always so much talk about oh well you know he hasn't won a major in a few years and he hasn't done this and he hasn't done that and then it's like yeah well you know what he still goes out and he wins tournaments and then on top of that you know he he places really high in a lot of those big events too so 
I mean, it, his consistency is something that we really don't talk enough about, to be perfectly honest. How ironic is it that he, like, never used to play this event and Arnie wanted him to play it so badly? And he's only, this is only his fourth time playing? Or I don't even know. He started playing, I think, in 2015. And yeah. uh, I was talking to him about it, and it's like, this course should be pretty good for you. He's like, oh, his eyes lit up. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, this is, you know, they have th- those, like, four par fives like that that he can just easily take advantage of. Um it uh it's yeah it's good to see i mean what did you think did you t- did you put any credence to his comments he made about alcohol sales at the, on the PGA tour do you think he's going to catch any flack for that uh i mean he's going to catch some flack i guess from from some people but i mean does he does he have a point i mean he might like i mean it'll never happen i mean the the, the tour obviously i mean they, they make too much money everyone makes too much money off of off of alcohol sales but i mean it'll never change but I mean, you could definitely make an argument for it. I mean, especially if Tiger's going to be any kind of resurgent uh, player going forward. I mean, it's just going to bring out even more people, and and you know, you're obviously going to get your fair share of people who can't uh, control themselves when when they when they don't trade one on when they do. So, um, I, he he does have a bit of a point, but I mean, unfortunately, it'll 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 definitely never change. Well, so apparently there was somebody following him Saturday, like yelling his wife's name at him the whole the, during his entire round. And oh god, yeah. So I I started thinking about this, uh, and in that it seems to be a theme. I mean, more and more players are speaking out on just fan behavior, and I, I think you can get a bit lost in what what the issue actually is, right? I mean, a lot of people are gonna you know tune all this out and say those are the guys that pay their salary, they pay a ticket, they can go do and say what they want as long as they're not yelling in your swing, it's fine. I just think like. With, with it, the new policy on cell phones now and that you can basically shoot video and do whatever you want with your cell phone, that people are getting, uh, they're able to capture themselves saying something dumb at a player for laughs and put it on social media. That almost this like combination of the policy and you know this kind of resurgence and huge crowds following Tiger and all this is doubling down, and now people have like an even more incentive to yell something dumb at a player because they can document it and show all their friends how funny they are. Do you think there's anything to that? Everybody's in the content making business. You know, <laughs> everyone's trying to create their own content these days. Um, no, no, that is for sure. I mean, that's that's probably part of it. I mean, you remember uh, the big uh, the big thing that happened last year at the president's Cup? was it Mark Leishman's wife and then Audrey's her name mm-hmm. um, made that big post on her on her blog that kind of blew up where she was just like, you know what, this is kind of ridiculous. You know that you know the the things that are being said on the golf course these days that you know that players and that their and that their families are hearing has gone too far and it's not and and this is not a an american versus you know canadian versus european versus whoever kind of thing like it it exists everywhere um but i i just i don't know what they're going to be able to do about it i mean aside from kicking people out and which i mean they probably should do more of um you, you're never going to be able to stop it yeah i don't think they're going to be able to stop it but and i don't know what the answer is but i think i just find it interesting that players are starting to really speak out yeah. on it and willing to willing to maybe take some of the uh, even the abuse for it because um, i mean yeah i don't think fans aren't going to like hearing players complain about oh you millionaire pampered pros and all that which there's something to that but at the same time like if they feel like it's affecting their performance in the workplace their workplace that's their there it's where they you know are making a living then then i feel like they're it's justified to at least say something so 
Well, I mean, if you, I mean, you remember when, when Rory a couple weeks ago said that it feels like, you know, that he feels like Tiger loses, what, half a stroke around mm-hmm. just based on all the craziness that goes on around him. I mean, somebody like him or JT, I think that was when he said it, when they played at Riv together, you know, they're probably not as bothered by it, but like somebody like Sam Burns who played with him a few weeks ago or, or even Bud Colley today who's been on tour for a while, like, I mean, you have to wonder how much it's going to affect them too, right? T- Tiger, not so much, I don't think at this point, but um, but the other guys, I mean, it, it has to take a toll on them as well. Yeah. And I mean, there's going to be, there's, if this continues this way, there's going to be huge crowds out there, especially on Sunday, following that guy in red, which we made it over 10 minutes without really talking about him yet. Uh, <laughs> all I, all I can say is there were some shots hit on, today on this Sunday that caused simultaneous like orgasm sounds in the kill house. Like there was a trage he hit, <laughs> he felt hit, it in your loins. No, there was just, we all, he hit like when he hit the stinger, I forget which hole that was on. It was a, yeah, like, it was you, 11 just off a, the tee. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a, Oh, sound that reverberated <laughs> through this house. We got off the couch on some of the, some of these yeah. shots that, um, Man, how aggressive was he out there today? I mean, oh when, my God. when he pulled driver on five, uh, which is a whole he said iron on every day so far this week, uh, I was like, okay, something's, something's kind of different about this run. He's actually really going for it today, trying to get as close to that green as possible and chip up and make another birdie. Um, and the line he took off the tee on six, man, I mean, six. How, yeah. I mean, how this was this to me, people were expecting him to play well this week, considering he finished, you know, in second place last week and he's had so much success at Bay Hill. But this to me was even more impressive than than the, the second place finish at Valspar. Is that a is that a fair take? Uh, the only the only negative, I guess, the only, the only thing I would say about that would be, I mean, you know, if he, he's done so well here, right? I mean, he knows the course so well that like going to Valspar where he hadn't played in what 22 years like he hadn't seen Copperhead in that long like that that would be the only thing that I would say that it was that I would say that Copperhead was probably a little more impressive than than Bay Hill but I mean it was it was just the the quality of the shots today the things that he pulled off I mean even even yesterday I'm not sure if you saw but the the bunker shot that he hit on I think it was it was on the back nine there might have been 16 where he basically had to (laughs) he was up near the lip and he had to get it over the lip uh, you know, through the trees and over the water and then onto the back of the green, like it's it, from like about 200 yards out. These are the shots that we, that I personally, like I, I mean, I think, I think you can attest to the fact that, you know, there were several people like I, I, I can say that I was one of the people who thought that he was going to be okay if he got healthy, but I never thought I'd see this again. Not, not the way that he's doing it. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't think that, um, it's a stretch to say that I never thought that we'd see somebody like like him hit these shots again. I mean, his game, he's not perfect. His name, he's not totally perfect. Like he's not he's not totally oh, God, back no. in that regard. But he's so much further along than we could have even imagined that it's kind of scary to think how much he, better he can get. Because today honestly looked like a different gear. And I know he lost team. We'll get to the back nine. Yeah. But it was like a different gear where he wasn't necessarily playing at the fat side of the green. He's been so tactical with everything he's done in this comeback and. He's done yeah. he, as as much as he struggled off the tee. He's done well hitting irons off tee and laying back and just being, you know, not making big mistakes. And that's kind of, um, I don't want to say that's going to lead to a lot of top tens and not a lot of wins, but that that doesn't surprise me that he's you know not making a ton of big numbers, not making a ton of bogeys, and you know had a couple finishes in the top five, but hasn't won. 
Today, he dialed it up a notch and was going for the win. I don't think he cared what he finished. Um, he made that that run on the back nine and got up to 16, which is a hole he has dominated his, his career. He yeah. missed right all three times the first the first three <laughs> rounds and then just pulled one OB. Like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I, I mean, part of me was just like, oh, man, you know, if this was Phil, like, he'd find a sprinkler head under there somewhere, and he would basically say that it wasn't actually OB. But, like, it was <laughs> – you know that, that that's the one thing though, right? It's like the this the struggles off the tee are still are still the thing, you know. Like it's not like I I wasn't actually all that worried about him coming out and and having and having the yips around the greens. I think the last time we saw him, like he kind of had those resolved. I mean, his short team has been way better than I think uh, than I thought it was going to be, and the putter has been incredible. Um, but yeah, the the driver needs to he needs to sort that out. I mean, if he's gonna if he's if he's gonna make a run somewhere, I think. I mean, aside from aside from what I mean, look, if he wants to go tee it up at, at the Deer or the Travelers or, or wherever, I think those are great places for for him to just you know smash those two irons off the tee. Um, if he's he, he needs to sort out the driver, but with that said, like we're still so early into this whole thing. I mean, he's playing so much better than anyone expected. Like, we just need to give him a little bit of time. And I mean, there's no there's no suggestion that he can't that he can't figure it out, especially at these places that he knows so well. Yeah, just I'm a bit concerned in that he won't be able to hit as many two irons at Augusta, right? And oh yeah, no, no, that's true. I mean, he he does need the he does need the longer clubs there. So I mean, he, he'll need to figure it out before he goes there. And Augusta is infinitely more demanding off the tee now than it once was, but it's still yep. not the most demanding um and having to, I literally just said he won't be hitting that many you know two irons off the tee but I, I don't think he needs to hit a ton of drivers there a lot of those par fours I've always said that it's not that much of an advantage to come into them from 130 yards versus 160 so I'd, I'd, be, I'd be more I want to see him get the three wood figured out the most I don't I just don't think he I still don't think he needs a ton of drivers around that place and if he can find the fairway with the three wood he's hitting the ball so far right now he's still going to be hitting it past where a lot of guys are hitting their driver yeah. I was I went out there and followed him on on Thursday that's my first time I've ever gotten to follow him inside the ropes I mean yeah which is kind of crazy considering that you know, like well, basically when we started this thing, it was 2014. He's been he's been terrible ever since. The timing <laughs> of this thing couldn't have been worse, really. Um, and I got to follow him at some as a kid around uh, Muirfield and whatnot, but it was always so hard to see. And I actually got a first chance to watch him play all 68 shots or whatever he played on Thursday, and it was it was awesome to watch. But it was amazing just to see in person how it doesn't look like he's swinging that hard or any harder than his, who he's playing with, and he's blowing it past Jason Day and Hideki Matsuyama, like blowing it past him with iron. Matsuyama hit three wood, or maybe it was five wood on uh, eleven on on Thursday morning. It's eight forty five in the morning, forty four degrees, and Cat just flips a two iron out there, two hundred seventy five <laughs> yards. I mean, he didn't even he didn't even lash at it. And just that that true command he has of the ball with his irons was was something to behold. And it just uh, I don't know I I got pretty sentimental last week on the podcast about <laughs> just the whole the whole experience and everything. But it, man, it's fun to yeah. see him like having fun out there. And when he drained that super long birdie on seven, his sixteenth hole um, on Thursday, he couldn't wipe the smile off his face. Like he was writing, like he laughed all yeah. the way up to the cup. And while he's writing the, his score on his scorecard, he was like still smirking. He couldn't wipe it off. And it's so, I always he's I've always been so impressed with his ability to shut other people out and not pay attention yeah. to them. 
but he was kind of interacting with fans every now and then. He gave a fist bump to a girl on the way to the third tee, which he probably shouldn't have done because he promptly hit an OB after that. But <laughs> um, so it, well, you know, it's funny. There's Johnny on the broadcast today too. Like he 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 said he's like you know you know something about how like how how important it was to smile on the golf course and how Tiger you know how he you know he hasn't done this since he was kid uh, since he was a kid. I mean, I was sitting here thinking to myself, I was like, well, you know, you know, he, he did pretty well without the smiling thing for quite a while. But, you know, I mean, it, it does, it does, it's a good thing. It's good to see him out there having, having more fun. The the weird thing about all the distance stuff too, I mean, I was reading somewhere else a few days ago that somebody had asked him, you know, like, are you surprised that you're hitting the ball this far? Like, can you explain it? And he basically said that he couldn't explain it. So like, I, I don't know how it's, he doesn't even know how it's happening to be honest. And it seems like, and, and I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy that, that we're at that point with, uh, with, with him in the distance. I mean, he, he's going to be able to compete at some, at some places like we already kind of talked about with, uh, without the driver, but you know, once he gets that, if he can get that figured out, I mean, it's, it's, it could be, we could be, it, we could be seeing something that I don't think you and I ever expected. Well, th- what, what is great about the distance is what it allows him to do off the tee and not to rely on the driver, right? Because he can right. hit that two iron so far and so consistently that right. that's you know I I think some people are you know concerned by how hard he's swinging it and how far he's hitting it and how you know that that means he's gonna you know get into more trouble with the driver but I think it's the opposite I think it's he can get away with two iron eight iron around so many golf courses that they and he kind of makes us he's always made his schedule out really well to courses that he's even able to do that on. If you're in need of a lightweight golf bag, look no further than the OGO Cirrus. I am currently using this exact bag, and if you're not using the latest technology in a golf bag, uh, it can be it can make the, the four hours on the golf course pretty unbearable. I love it. It's lightweight. It's easy to carry. It's comfortable on your shoulders, and at the same time, it has an endless amount of pocket space. Jackets, gloves, snacks, cold drinks, the Cirrus has you covered. OGO is the leader in golf bag design, and they continue to pump out great products, including this Cirrus stand bag. Check out all the products at OGO.com and use the promo code NOLANGUP. That's no spaces, no laying up at checkout, and you'll save 20% on your entire order from now through the end of April. It's pretty, it's a pretty good deal. That's OGO.com, O-G-I-O.com with promo code NOLANGUP. Let's get back to Adam Sarson. So yeah, I mean, I go, I still go back to you know 2015 at the Masters when he was all over the place and injured and nobody knew what was <laughs> up and he had been sculling the ball around uh, Scottsdale and had, that was the height of the chipping yips and he showed up and I forget what he finished. He he hit those balls into the stands on purpose. Oh, so that's, right, like... that's right, that's right, that's <laughs> right. I forgot about that take. <laughs> um, and he got he was in the third to last group on Sunday with Rory and it was like so that that. I, I just will never forget that and never yeah. been less confident in his game. And he was able to scrape together for that masters. He's able to do it the year after the car accident. You know, he, bar- he yeah. didn't even play leading up to it. And he finished tied fourth. I think uh, he gets around that golf course. I know he hasn't won there in 13 years, but he, he knows how to get the ball around that golf course. So at, at I'd be honestly, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't finish top 10 at Augusta. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we've we've seen this. It, it's Luton Tiger, right? I mean, we've seen this for years at that place. That for whatever reason, you know, players like you know Fred Couples is always a guy that everyone talks about, right? About how, you know, every year Couples seems to be on Saturday. You know, he gets onto the first page of the leaderboard, and you're wondering how the hell he does it because he's, you know, he's playing only on the Champions Tour, and he doesn't really show up any other week of the year on the PGA Tour. I mean, you know, Bernard Langer 
you know, was in the, what, the second to last group on Sunday, was it two years ago, mm-hmm. something like that? Like, it, these things happen, right? And, I mean, for whatever reason, you need you need experience to, to, to win and to play well at Augusta. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that both Tiger and Phil are going to be playing well at Augusta at some point into their 50s, assuming that they're healthy, right? I mean, it's just oh, yeah. the way it goes with, with them. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I, would be, I would be surprised if he didn't finish inside the top 10. I don't know if I'm willing to go much further than that at this point, but, yeah, I'd be shocked if he didn't finish inside the top 10. I just want to point to the absurdity of even, like, if 14 days ago, if you'd have told me we were talking about Tiger, like, competing for the title yeah. at Augusta, I'd have said, all right. He's the favorite. I know. He is the betting favorite. Which makes sense to me. It does. It makes total sense when you consider how well he's played and how the books have to protect themselves against the Tiger betters. That that does not seem absurd to me, which is – it does, usually does, but it does not right now. Does does today's win by Rory adjust that in any way? I mean, I think obviously Rory's odds are going to come down, but I don't think Rory yeah. – I don't think Rory becomes the favorite. Yeah. No, I don't think – I don't think it will change it too much. Um, I tweeted this story too, but I thought like the coolest moment that I got to see in person uh, Thursday was he, he was off early, 8.30. Uh, he finished his round, round around 1. And a lot of guys were there on the range warming up for the afternoon wave. And at Bay Hill, when you come off the ninth green, you have to walk through the range to get back, back to the clubhouse to sign your card and whatnot. And, I mean, the, the crowds, as you might imagine, were overflowing. He comes up onto this, and, they, and everyone's cheering him as he just made a 15-foot par putt on, on 18 to shoot 68. And they're cheering him coming through the walkway, and he gets up on the range. And, like, everyone that was – all the crowd that was at the range watching stood up and started cheering for him, like, walking through. And it was – it just reverberated. Every – almost every single player turned and stopped their – stopped hitting balls and turned to watch it. Like, you couldn't ignore it. Like, it was a very real yeah. kind of salute, and it was such a cool – I just don't think that happens with any other player that walks through the back of the range. They stop and watch a guy walk through. But I just thought that was so cool to see. So, so what was it? I mean, you. So, yeah, you were there the first couple of days. I mean, what was it like to be to be inside the ropes, just trying to follow him around, like in terms of the crowds and 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 the, and the other player reactions to it? Uh, I mean, it was. I was there on a Thursday morning, so even that front nine was not overflowing. The noise wasn't. You know, it, it wasn't like a Friday afternoon crowd. You know, it was. It, it right. was just. Uh, uh, a good size, obviously way bigger for a normal Thursday morning round than you would in any other anyone else on the golf course. But it wasn't insane. Uh, but by that afternoon, that time the afternoon came around and he made that huge putt on seven. Yeah. I mean, it was you. You kind of just take it for granted that having that 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 level of access and getting to see it. But that's what I was trying super hard not to because knowing I'd never gotten to see this before and I I would go like nobody goes back to the 16th tee to watch guys because it's so far back compared to where you enter the hole I went back there right. I was like this is I don't get this opportunity to ever see something like this <laughs> so I, I getting to watch him play shots up close I was so just so impressed with the control he had uh with the irons and the, tra- the trajectory of the shots and he uh, it, it, I don't know. It, I don't fear. It's weird. Like in person, I wasn't fearing his driver miss nearly as bad as I do watching on TV. I, it doesn't feel, he feels closer to being, having that figured out than I, than it feels like on TV, if that makes any sense. I'm not sure that it does. Well, I mean, I was on, uh, on Twitter. So I guess, yeah, tonight at some point, I believe Alan Shipnuck was talking about how like, you know, he was watching him on the range and like, he's striping it on the range. And then when he takes it to the takes it to the course for whatever reason, like he, he just can't keep it in play. And I was just I, I don't know what that is, if it's if it's something in his head, if it's something like it, it's just it's bizarre. I mean, 
it leads me to believe though that it's there and that he'll he'll figure it out at some point. I mean, now that he's fully healthy, that's always been my my number one concern. But it's it seems kind of bizarre to me that you know if if it's true that he's striping it on the range constantly, that he can't seem to take that to the course. What's amazing is how how palpable the excitement was when he is standing on the 16th tee box, one shot back, and he finished eight shots behind Rory. How insane was that finished by Rory? Like, <laughs> oh my god, I, it's it's oh my god. Well, like that's that's the thing, right? I mean, that's that's why all the that's why everybody says, you know, that when, you know, for the most part, when he's on, when he has that whole like, you know, whose a game is best, it's like eh, it's probably his. Like, you know, as much as as much as I hate that argument, as much as I hate having that conversation because all of these guys are so good, it's a run that you see like the one that he put on today on the back nine that made you go, yeah. You know, he's probably the best player in the world. And sometimes a day like today makes it think like it's not even all that close. Yeah, I wish we'd see it more often. I Hopefully this is a sign that we will see it continually more often. But that, that I'm sure that this comparison's been made, but it felt a bit like 2010 at Quail Hollow when he shot final round 62. Yeah. Uh, I think that was his first win actually on the PGA Tour. Um, yeah, it was. Um, so that that was uh, it's good to see. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like every year before the Masters, we get a lot of questions like, "Who would you like to see?" Whatever, and then we all do these fantasies of, "Oh, I'd love it if Rory and Tiger came down the stretch." It's like, dude, we kind of get whatever we want now in golf. Like, we wh- why can't we get that? It it there's no reason why we can't get that. Um, if you had told me, if you told me right now that the final three groups in a few weeks were going to be some combination of Tiger, Rory, Spieth, Phil, DJ, and JT. I'd be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can totally see that happening. It's a crazy thing to think about, but that's exactly what, it's exactly what we could get. And I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's crazy to think about, but it's, it's true. It could absolutely happen. One thing I was thinking about while watching, while watching Tiger out there was, uh, you know, and again, I was I was I was quite uh, sentimental last week, and looking at it from yeah. a different perspective, think of think of like the most embarrassing things that you could have happen to you. Like I could think of maybe like six horribly embarrassing things that if they happened to me would be very shameful. And Tiger's had like four of them happen. So imagine <laughs> he, he does. I mean, some of it is on himself, but like obviously the scandal, like that was yeah. horrific to yeah. go through. Then to have like your text messages all over the internet, yeah. your voicemails, then to get a DUI, your nudes leaked. Like, look at the combination of all <laughs> yeah. the things that that guy has put up with in the last ten yeah. years. Again, some of it is his own doing, but at the same time, like that that the shame of each of those things would be enough to get make somebody just be, become a recluse and not want to ever be seen in public again. Well, and he faces and then, all and- that. Well, and then on top of that too, I mean, obviously these things aren't as important. This this isn't as important as the ones that you just mentioned. But like, the fact that he came back and he looked like your regular, you know, he didn't look like a tour player when he came back for the, the last few years. And like, you know, when when he had the, he was very clear that he had the yips for a while. Um, you know that that round that I, I believe you might have been up watching at the time. I can't recall. I know myself and and Porath were up watching it. The one from the Middle East where he pulled out and you know he said that he you know he, we we all believe that he probably hurt himself on the flight over at some point last year. But like he looked like an absolute wreck. Like he he basically flubbed a he flubbed a putt from off the green. You know, like he he had he was struggling to get in and out of bunkers. Like it was it was one of those things where like he just he didn't look like a regular player. And, you know, that's embarrassing for, for, a, um, for any 
PGA Tour player, let alone the guy that many of us think is the best player of all time. So, you know, you throw that into the mix with all the other stuff that you just mentioned, and yeah, you know what, it really, I know you you and Kyle kind of talked about this uh, last week, but you know, the perseverance that it's taken for him to, to, to get back to this point is actually pretty remarkable. Even, you know, I'm sure that, like you said, some people would say, well, you know, it's uh, a lot of that stuff was self-inflicted, but it's like, yeah, okay, that's true. But like, he did come back and, and he looks, and he looks as good as he's looked in, God, at least five years and, and potentially even more than that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was kind of amazing to watch it today and how not routine it felt, but normal and not yeah. unusual. Like last week felt unusual. It was, it was like, all right, this is, is this happening? Is this happening? And now when he made the run at it today, just how uh, last week, I kind of still refused to believe it. And this week was, I, yeah. I could have totally seen him birdieing out and, and cause, uh, Ah, oh, he had to hit that ball, Ob. His comments <laughs> about it to Sanzi, uh, which was fantastic. Also, Sanzi. That, I thought it was great. That answer was one of the best interview answers he's ever given. He, he's like, I thought it was very honest. Right? He was very honest. He said he had like three different shots he could have played. I didn't commit to it. I, you know, I wanted to play a fade, and then I stood over it and said, "Why don't you just bomb one right over it?" And I didn't play the right shot. And he smiled about it. And he's just kind of like, yep, you know what? I learned from that, and I need to commit to the shot. Um, that was – that was because he had a 124 in with his second drive. <laughs> like, you know, well, that was the thing, and he stepped up right after that, and he smashed the next one right down yeah. the middle. So it's like, yeah, you know what? It's it's there. It's it's. I Yeah, you're right. I thought that was – that was you're right. It was one of the best answers I think I've ever seen him give to a, to a question that, you know, I think previously he probably would have said something else, but, I mean – you know, he was he was very honest. It was good. It was good. To it's hear. good to yeah. It's good to hear. It's good to also know that it didn't matter because Rory was going to win this. And you know, if if that was yeah. the shot that yeah, decided yeah. it, that OB ball, then out it would have been a lot harder to stomach, uh, stomach all that. So seventy first in strokes gain off the tee this week. Uh, the OB balls will do that to you, and that's four shots just right yeah. off the bat. Nineteenth in strokes gain approaching, second in strokes gain around the green, eighth in putting. Pretty, oh, unreal. It, yeah. It it really is. I mean, like I said, I, I didn't I didn't I wasn't worried about the yips coming back, but the this the the way that he's pitching and chipping everything around the greens is actually it's very reminiscent of what we used to see. So um I'm not I'm not para I'm not you know, I'm not terrified when uh, for him to go to adjust in a couple of weeks and and see all those tight lies around the place. So I'm uh I, I, I can't wait to see what uh, to see what he does in the next couple of weeks. Bridging uh one of our our, our favorite topic to talk talk about. We literally talk about the Ryder Cup every time you're on with uh another guy that was on the leaderboard today. Uh I don't. I don't think I had him in my twelve. Uh, I definitely didn't have him in my twelve. And I don't even think I'm had him on the outside looking in when I talked to Porter last week about the Ryder Cup team. Bryson. Grayson Murray. Bry- <laughs> uh, we'll stay away from that one and let's talk uh, about the mad scientist, uh, the artist yeah. in France. I I can I can picture this. So so okay. So back to, back in 2016. Uh, so I do like these Ryder Cup forecasting posts on my site, like usually once every couple of months. And back around the time of the Masters, where you know he contended um, and he was looking like the the real deal, I started to mention him in those posts, and I was like, you know, I can actually see this. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I believe you did something similar around that time as well. Correct? <laughs> Mine was worse. Uh, I said before he made his first professional start, I was like, guys, just like be patient with him. All right. It, either if he plays too well <laughs> or, you know, plays horribly, like let's just give him time. And he finished T4 at Harbor town. And I said, okay, let's start talking about the Ryder cup. Cause he might be on the team. <laughs> so, I didn't last a week. He, I got he, too excited. He, he, he led, I think he led the field that week at Harbor town and shorts me and Tita green. If I he recall. Mashed. And yeah. like, 
Yeah, it was incredible. Two weeks in a row, he looked every bit the player that we thought he might look in two or three years, you know, and it, it looked very, uh, it looked very legitimate. I don't know, like, I, I can absolutely see it happening. Like, it was funny, like, I jokingly tweeted about it yesterday, and of course, as I'm sure you would expect, like, the, the responses I got back were, no, 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 you're crazy, why would you do that, whatever, like, he's not a Ryder Cup player. I disagree entirely. Like, I think he is a Ryder Cup player. I'm not saying he's going to be there, but, like, you can absolutely see it. I mean, he, he mashes the ball off the tee. You know, he can you imagine putting him with Phil in a Ryder Cup? Like, just in, just as a pairing, the two of them, and, and just letting them letting them try to dissect the golf course, it would just, like, it would be magic to watch. So that's what I kind of want to know in that, you know, I, us outsiders, we can look at all this stuff, look at the standings, look at, you know, this guy, say this guy would be a great match play player, but you don't necessarily weigh in enough of what what matters and that it's going to be hard to take him with a captain's pick when you're not a popular player and you're a rookie it's got to be very hard I would imagine to become a captain's pick so in that regard you, you mentioned Phil I think they play you know they play some practice rounds together I don't know what the extent of their relationship is but I think it would take someone like Phil advocating for him to get picked uh, before it would actually become a reality is that fair uh probably I mean like, yeah, so, like, I was thinking about this earlier, too. Like, my thought was was that he would probably have to make the team out, right? Um, and the reason I would say that is, is, like, you already have, you know, some of these guys that are on, the, and granted, it's only March, we're so we're still so early, but, like, there's no way that players like Patrick Reed and, and Phil and whoever, these guys that you might suspect might be towards the end of the roster, at least on the bubble, maybe not Phil after the win, but, like, like they're, they're not going to, they're not going to leave Ricky at home right? They're not going to leave Patrick Reed at home. They're not, probably not going to leave Matt Kuchar at home either. So he might have to make the team outright because those other guys are always going to be in front of him in terms of getting a captain's pick. Um, you know, you never know how somebody like Jim Furyk might try to, to, to run a roster, right? I mean, someone like Xander Shoffley or Patrick Cantlay, you know, might end up being on the outside looking in because of reasons X, Y, and Z, right? I mean, that the Furyk might think that Zach Johnson is good because he's a veteran and he needs, he needs somebody else like that on a relatively young roster. Um, who knows what Burt's kept status is going to be depending on how he gets back from the wrist injury, things like that, right? So I think you're right. I think it kind of makes sense that unless unless he makes it outright, he's going to have to have somebody advocating for him to get there. Do we know what Kepka's status is, by the way? Have you heard anything on this? I, I, I've, I've lost track of it. Is he going to play in the Masters? I have no idea. I'm, I haven't explicitly looked it up. I suppose I, I, can, I can look it up, but I mean, I... I, I haven't heard anything. The last I heard was that he was just he was still recovering from the rest. I think problem, it was so. going to be eight to ten weeks when he was uh, when he initially went out, but I don't remember it being much of a story that he was going to miss the first major of the year. It's he's so quickly forgotten, just among uh, I, like the people just kind of ignore that he's one of the probably one of the five best American players in the world, and he uh, he's yeah people don't even talk about him now that he's hurt and, and and whatnot. But I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean, right now, like right now, he's third in, in the in the point standings, right? So, I mean, he's he's got a little bit of buffer, but I mean, if he doesn't come back, I mean, the guys are going to start passing him. So, yeah, he's got all the uh, all the points from the U.S. Open last year. I think is what yeah. is what helped him there. But uh, no, you mentioned Cantlay. I mean, we talked about him some and Shoffley. Have you looked at much into what the European team is going to look like? Because Job wrote for our site a piece this week that looks into kind of some of the storylines going on with the picks. It's fascinating because. In his, he he made like essentially a group of locks based on, you know how he how he sees the season playing out, and you know obviously some guys with experience and where they people rank in the world ranking, 
and he doesn't have Paul Casey in there. And I, I was like, I, as soon as I read it, I was like, dude, come on, Paul Casey's going to be on the team. And he started explaining it to me, and I was like, he might not. He might not because of how, you know, like Fitzpatrick and Hatton are locked in from a world ranking standpoint and all, all these crazy factors that are going in. It's really, really interesting. So is it, is it, have you looked at, have you dug into it? Is it crazy to think that Paul Casey might not be on the team? I I think that's a little crazy. I, I did not read Job's piece yet. I, I had it open today and I, and I just didn't get to it, but um, that seems a little far fetched to me. Um, you know, like, he's going to address that it, in it version re- two. He's going to have a part two, I think, and just kind of talk about it. But it's it's yeah. When he started talking about the world ranking, that's when I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Like yeah, Hatton is definitely going to be on there because of world ranking. Oh yeah, Fitzpatrick definitely will because of world ranking. And I was like, well, what's Paul Casey's world ranking? How is he not on there? Um, but right. it's it's a it's a weird system how they've kind of they've kind of redone the system essentially so Paul Casey can play on the team. So I would be right. I would be very shocked if he's not on it. Given. But. Yeah, like given given that Thomas Bjorn and I believe Darren Clark even before that for 2016 were were, were adamant about reaching out to players. Not it wasn't just Paul Casey. I believe in 2016, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Clark was also talking to players like uh, like David Lane Murth and whatever and trying to get them to come back and play a little bit more so that they could still be eligible, right? So I mean, given that they've made that much effort to get Casey, you know, to get him back over there, I don't think that that's it would be very strange to me that he wouldn't make the team. Um, just anecdote, like again, without having read Job's piece, um, my thought would be that that they already have like nine nine locks on the roster, right? So it's it's Rom, Rose, Sergio, Fleetwood, Casey, Rory, Hatton, Stenson, and Norin. Like I'm pretty sure those nine are there, and then outside of that, you know, you've got you've got a lot of really good players between Cabrera, Bayo, and Fitzpatrick, Molinari. I wouldn't like Poulter is kind of there lingering as well. He's back in the match play next week for the first time in a few years. So um, there that that's it's going to be a pretty stout a stout team for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. It's going to be super interesting who like first guy out on that team is. I hadn't even thought about Poulter. I know his his play of recent years is not nearly up to the his standard of his prime in his Ryder Cup, but it's hard to ignore that guy's Ryder Cup record. And I don't know. I think it'd take a lot for him to actually make the team. Um, but I hadn't even hadn't even thought of him. But oh, there's so much golf to be played. So much and. Uh, <laughs> We tossed around some names and like Patton Kazire's name came up. I was like, all right, that's I think okay, that's, that's our sign that yeah. there's a lot more golf to be played. But <laughs> it's what we're going to do. We're going to keep uh, keep an eye on it, keep gauging it. Uh, what did you think of uh, – it's good to uh, – well, let me ask. Was it good to have Johnny Miller back in your life today? Absolutely. Right? Um, look, I, I, there were some, there were some tweets going around today about how he was a little rusty and he didn't have his best stuff today. And it's like, you know what? Sometimes he doesn't have his fastball. Like we know that this, this is, this is a thing that's happened over the last few years. Um, for me though, I was actually saying this to my brother the other day. Um, the thing about Miller is that I actually used to just, I couldn't stand listening to him. Cause I mean, he was, I always just thought that he was ridiculous. He was over the top. He was too difficult on the players basically he forgot how hard it is to actually play the game at this level is what I always used to think. But now I, I I'm, I'm all in on him because he's actually so ridiculous that it's just an enter. It's just, he's, he's a caricature of what he, of what he was. Right. I mean, he's, he's so entertaining. He's so over the top that it's, I find it hard to not, to not enjoy having him on the call. Um, you know, the, the whole NBC crew just does such a really good job all week. I mean, I still, I still feel like they're, they're not using, Faraday in the way that they should I don't know what that is necessarily but it feels like they're not utilizing him properly but um but otherwise no it was great to have Johnny back in the booth this week I shouldn't forget 
that Faraday's on the broadcast. And that's what happens almost every week. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. They have David Faraday. They should probably use him more. Uh, I think it's totally fine to disagree with a lot of what Johnny says and still be appreciative for what he is. And that, like, if you're, if you're, <laughs> I don't know if give me Faldo or or Johnny Miller with the oh, color commentary. Not it's not even. I, I don't know who who you want with color commentary more than you would want Johnny. I mean, it's it's okay. He said, of course, he says some things we all laugh at, and I think he said Rory had nitrous oxide in his muscles or something today. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Nobody knows. But like, I, at the same time, when I, if I'm talking and I hear Johnny talking, like if I'm in the room talking, I I shut up to make sure I hear what he says because he says things that are worth right. listening to. Again, not always right, and some might get on your nerves, but, man, we should be appreciative. And not a popular take on Twitter. I was excited to have Johnny in there, oh, God, in no. there today, and everyone's like, wait, why are you saying Johnny's, Johnny's the worst announcer? My man. No. I don't get it. He's great. I mean, look, I, like, I, I, from, a, from an inside standpoint, I think he's been passed by Gary Koch on, on the NBC broadcast, and then Gary Koch is really good. Um, on, ultimately, I, like, I still think Paul Azinger is the best guy out there. Um, he's whenever I know I've said this to, to you and to some other people in our, in our chat that we have, but Fox to me still does the best job of any, of any of the people who broadcast golf. Um, and, and a lot of it is because of how good Azinger is, but no, Miller, Miller's just fine. I, I enjoy having him back. It always, it always feels like a big event when he's there. I just, I just wish that they would, you know, figure out a, a way to better utilize Faraday. That's all. Well, it's, it's amazing too, that we can say that Fox maybe is the best at covering golf, considering how bad they were that first year and how hard we were all yeah. were on them. So it, yeah. uh, it, it comes from a place of love when we're, when we're critical, but, Absolutely. uh, too many, I, I don't have the counter on them. We didn't time it all, but man, too many commercials today. That was that yeah. was tough. I, I, they got it. I don't know. It's too late for the, this year. I know that, like they do all this stuff. So much stuff is planned out so far in advance and all that. But man, they've got to get something figured out on the commercial front. It loses so much rhythm. It's, it's, yeah. uh, and I, I think that's more of a well, tour problem on, than it is an NBC or CBS problem. Yeah, I think it probably is as well. I mean, like on top of that too, like they're always this week is always a little a little more different um, because of all the of all the Arnold Palmer stuff, which is which is fine. It's it's completely justified to to have a lot of a lot of focus on them. Um, but yeah, when you when you combine that with with all the with all the commercials, which is which is a big deal. I mean, it just you're right. It, it loses a lot of flow. I struggle with my balance on the uh, on the Arnie thing, knowing um, yeah. I, Arnie is not of my generation. I didn't get to see him play and I, he didn't have the same effect on me as he's obviously had on so many people so I my perspective really means kind of nothing on it from that regard um but and I and I understand that I'm one of the you know whatever percent of people that are tuning in and watching the entire broadcast so I see the Arnie stuff repeatedly but it, every year it does always feel like man we're, we're doing another another one like another segment like another one like yeah we all know that how high of a regard he's held in and how much people appreciated him and all the wonderful stories about him. I just don't know if, you know, Sunday we need to cut to Jimmy Roberts and Peter Jacobson in, in a room telling a yeah. couple stories about Arnie. It's like, I don't know. Especially, especially given, especially given the leaderboard that we right. had today and, and the way, and the way it was all, I mean, if, if it's five, five guys on the top of the leaderboard that people might not necessarily want to watch, that's, that's one thing. Um, but no, you're right. It's, it's, it's a tough balance in actor, yeah. right? I mean, they, they have to, they have to pay 
they have to pay a lot of tribute to him because it's it's justified. It's completely justified. And people turn um, tune in because it's Arnie's tournament. So like some like people, yeah. not necessarily from our generation, but definitely people do. And at the same time, if somebody tunes in to watch the last hour and they didn't see the three, three previous segments, like yeah, you need to show them something related to Arnie. So I get all that, but yeah, uh, I, I will say yeah. I got to play in the pro am on Wednesday with Sam Saunders. That was such <laughs> a thrill. It really was. It was so cool. Really? He is such a class act. Um, Obviously, we talked about uh, you know Arnie and and all the effects he's had on his life, and the the kid just totally gets it. He he just is so appreciative of everything he's been given. He takes everything in stride. He's so is it is such a busy week. He's got speaking engagements, and it's just mayhem. And he couldn't yeah. have handled things with more class. He's out there directing traffic, picking out lines for us, reading putts, and signing every single autograph. Going out of his way to take pictures with people. It's probably his busy. And I know he doesn't get that necessarily everywhere he goes, and it's it's his his week to really get it from uh, you know growing up in the area and all that. But he handled it so well. It was such a blast to play with him. It was, uh, it was, it was an honor. Honestly, it was like that. That was that was one of the coolest uh, golf experiences I've had. So, did did you see any of the uh, of the early Golf Channel coverage today? Because he just he was doing some of the. He was in the booth for a bit. Um, I missed this. And he I missed was, this. How was it? He was really good. He was really good. And like. Um, and I believe it was Steve Sands at the time um, who had said, you know, you like you basically as he was signing off, he's like, you know, you know, you have a career in this if you really want to at some point. Like he was really good. It was it was it was nice to hear. Was, I mean, because like you said, he has a different perspective than a lot of the other players, too. But, um, you know, he was he was really great on the air. So, I mean, it's it's uh, it was it was interesting to see him in that way, too. Yeah, it was cool. Also, we played with Ben Roethlisberger, who um he duck hooked one so bad off the first tee that I thought I thought he was like a twenty handicap. Like that was the first swing I saw him make. Uh, he birdied right. four of the first four of the next five holes. He I think he made seven birdies over the course of the day. He swings at one hundred and twenty four miles an hour with one hundred eighty four ball speed, and Oof. he drove a par four. He was hitting sand wedges into par fives. The guy absolutely murders the ball. He makes a lot of big numbers, Oof. but his game is quite impressive. So. <laughs> um, I think that's all pretty much all i had from bay hill do you want to get to some listener questions sure let's uh do it. ty ogden says do you think big cat brings out more of rory uh i i, I don't think so i mean like it doesn't that, that doesn't seem to make a ton of sense to me like i like I get where I get where people could be coming from, right? I mean, if if Rory Rory may have been extra jacked up to play this week because he knew that Tiger was in the field, um, and that you know he knew that he knew that he was making a charge on on the weekend and that he was going to be around. Um, I I just I don't I, I don't see it. I mean, I Rory Rory could have done this exact same thing if Tiger was you know sitting on his couch playing Call of Duty this week. Like I don't know. Like it it doesn't seem to me like like that makes a big difference to me i don't know you you might have more insight into that than me but i i don't think that that makes a ton of difference to i just him. found it interesting when i talked to him tuesday he he was kind of like excited about it. he's like how about last week man like, that was pretty wild huh i was like yeah, yeah. i was like it's pretty it's pretty exciting stuff and i i made a comment to him like yeah you know I, obviously it was kind of cool to see all the pros that were kind of rooting for him but part of me is kind of like guys like i know mean, it doesn't have an effect on him but uh, like I don't know if you necessarily want to be like rooting for him. This might be like a very real thing. That's very and he he kind of brushed it off like no like I'm not I'm not worried about Tiger. <laughs> you know what I mean? He wasn't like intimidated, well, which is which is the right attitude right. to have. And I guess it's that's not like shocking news. But he's kind of like no like come on, this is really cool for the game. And so just for him, that he was that steadfast about 
being really excited that about Tiger being back was was right. kind of cool and how he was still and this was again obviously before he won still so confident in himself and almost unfazed right. by anything that anybody was saying about his game or anything like that so I just I found that interesting that he was kind of like no I'm still it's, got this it, <laughs> it, it, it it's funny though like it has been really interesting to see the reaction from from the other players when you're like when when he's been playing well the last few weeks. You know, you'll you'll sit on Twitter as I'm sure, like I sit on Twitter and I'm watching the tournament as I'm sure you do, and you know you'll see like the reactions from the other players that you follow who aren't either in the tournament or who missed the cut or whatever. You know, players like Tyrrell Hatton, who's like 14th or 15th in the world, and he's tweeting about how great it is to watch Tiger play well, and it's like it's a surreal thing to like all these guys like they're they're around our age or younger, and they all watch Tiger the way we did. Right. And it's like, you know, they're, they're getting to see this, they're getting to see this again for the, you know, in, in probably in the way that they didn't think they would either. So it's been kind of cool to see their reactions to it too. It's amazing that you could, you can still as a Canadian still root for uh, Tiger Woods after what he did to Stephen Ames. It's, it's, I, I admire you for it. It's really, it's really, it's admirable. <laughs> hey, listen, one of his, his best shot ever might be in, might be right near my backyard out of that bunker oh at Glen Abbey. So. Uh, his best shot ever was the first tee shot against Stephen Ames that day when he drove the green and twirled the <laughs> biggest club twirl you could ever imagine. Oh um, Gavin, he hasn't. At time is Illmatic, kind of cool name. Uh, is Jordan Spieth currently relevant? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Let's not. Let's um, not. He didn't very, play this week. One. Like <laughs> no. Exactly. And we weren't ready to ring the alarm bells last week on him. Uh, yeah. Look. It's it's I, I I mentioned this right off the top, right? It's like there there are probably ten to fifteen players in the world that you should never actually worry about, like over you know if somebody has like a span where they're just awful for like an entire year, then okay, it might be time to start thinking about these things. But until Spieth goes on some kind of run where he's where he's missing where he's missing cuts, you know, every every week or whatever, I'm not worried about him at all. Um, I, I, I think he's he's gonna be just fine. And and you know, as as you've said, I believe you have him one in what, nine, ten, eleven green jackets or something, something like, like that. that. I mean it yeah, I mean it's he's gonna be just fine. And if he wins in a couple of weeks and no one's gonna be shocked. I mean, along the same lines, Vendate eighty nine asks if Speeth is still my pick for the Masters, and that answer is yes. I'm i st- I'm staying with it. I don't change I make my picks in the beginning really? of the year and I don't change them. I I, I stick with it. Yeah. Like I'll I'll say it probably in five more podcasts leading up to the Masters that uh he's right. there's something about him in that place that makes me makes me make that pick. So um if I were it's, to change it, funny. it would be for JT because I think JT right. is quite confident he's going to win the Masters. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I, I, I actually don't think I've made a pick at any point over the last little while. Um, it's hard for me to kind of go away from Justin Rose at this point. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of strange. But I mean, I'll say this though. I mean, if if Rory's going to do anything similar to what he did today, then he's going to win by ten. So. I mean, it's it's hard to it's it's hard for me to go away from Justin Rose at this point, but you know, Rory was always built for that place, uh-huh. so um, not going to be surprised if he take does me it to here. Augusta now. Let's do this now. Yes. I'm excited yes. for the match play though. Um, Brian Evanson says, "Is this the most difficult year in history to qualify for either Ryder Cup team?" I that's a good question. I don't know um, enough about history to say it, but in my lifetime, it certainly seems that way for both teams. It you know what it feels that way, um, you know you get to, I mean as as I'm sure you know you've gone over in your head repeatedly you know for 
you know, things like the 2004, 2006 Ryder Cup team or whatever, like those teams were historically bad American teams, right? Um, you know, and then even like the, the 2016, 2016 European team, you would say is probably not, you know, the best team that they've been able to put out. Even the 2014 European and, and American teams, right? Like you look at some of the players that are on are on those teams, you know, like no offense to some of these guys, but like, have you thought about Stephen Gallagher since he played there? Like, have you, like Jamie Donaldson, is, you know, hit one of the one of the shots of the tournament that year, but like he hasn't really done much since. Uh, Victor Dubuisson hasn't really done much at all since either. Um, you know, then you know, look at some of the American guys. Like, oh, I think Mahan was on that team. Webb was on that team. Uh, so I mean, it's it 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 strikes me that it seems like you know again maybe these guys were. Maybe these guys were looked upon differently than I recall back then, but it feels like these are the deepest rosters that I can remember in a long time. How dare you besmudge the name of Brett Wedrick? I'm offended. <laughs> uh, no, it definitely does, and it's it's. I don't know. I love doing the exercise of this guy was on that team. It's crazy, and you, even even guys on the 16 team are like, all right, we can definitely scratch that name off. You're not going to be on the 18 team. But um, here's a good one from Ginger Wait, Sports. There was, Go ahead. there was there was there was talk, if you recall. Back in 2014, I believe, of if Bernhard Langer was actually good enough to make that European team. I think it like, was in 16, even wasn't it? Maybe it was in 16. Who knows? I mean, he's maybe it could be this that year. That might knows? be why I mean, the U.S. won he, he that one be. because there maybe Bernhard Langer was a, a candidate for it. Um, Ginger Sports asks, "What's happening with Smiley Kaufman this year? Another terrible performance and a miscut." I I was looking this up randomly the other day and it seems like he's got he's on some kind of run where he's like he's posted tournaments in the 80s rounds in the 80s and like four of his last five starts or something like it's so strange um I don't know it's it's really bizarre I mean I would have thought I don't know what I like was he was he looked upon as like one of these like up and coming players that we should have been paying a ton of attention to like I'm trying. I'm trying to like wrap my head around it. To be perfectly no, honest, yeah. like I know, I know, like I know that like he wasn't supposed to be like some, you know, Spieth, Rory level like kind of guy. But like I, he was supposed to be better than this. If I recall. yeah. So Tron wrote about this in the uh, in our mailbag as well. And Ryan Labner has a great piece also on the Golf Channel, um, just about you know, talking to Smiley and getting some answers as to what's going on. But no, he was not projected to be a great player he had a great year his senior year i believe he was he was first team all-american when he was a senior but was averaging essentially 74 75 uh, in several seasons leading up to that and won on the web right. tour when he came out and then got hot and won in vegas and still has his exemption from that um i mean if you remember he was the final group of the masters in in uh yeah. in 2016 yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and has not been the same since then. Um, so, no, he was not this kind of top caliber player. But he gets put in this be- this bucket because of, obviously, the guys he goes on spring His break with, which is, yeah. you know, that's a that's a golf media production that more so than Ugh. it is a uh, – yes that you can fault him for it. But he, he was pretty open and honest with, uh, with Lavner about stuff, stuff he's working on. And I mean, he's lost it yeah. pretty, it's very badly. I mean, it's going very poorly. Um, I don't know. I look at it though, and just kind of think I respect him for going out there, like holding his head high and facing it, knowing that, you know, people are snickering, people are saying things and he hears it, the crowd and, and whatnot. And he's you know right. still out there grinding at it. And it plus it just makes you appreciate you know, the guys that are able to compete week in and week out for how hard the game is. Like, it just shows you that, you know, professionals lose it just as fast as, you know, 
you you could play a great round one day and lose your swing the next day like that's that's how it works with some professionals as well i just i don't know i think people i don't know i see people like at like adding him on twitter and like talking about shit talking is it's it's, man like the guy's going through some struggles obviously he wants to play better like i I don't know it's it's such a it's such a it's a tough part of the game it's tough to watch somebody go through it it's a guy he's a a really nice guy guy i definitely root for um and ready to kind of see things turned around for him so if if anyone listening to this is one of those people, don't don't be yeah, one of those people. Don't don't add no, him. On, I mean, on yeah, uh, it'll be. I think he'll come out of it. He's he's shown some flashes, and then it just disappears. But I mean, it's yeah. all aspects of his game are are a big struggle right now. But uh, I felt more yeah. optimistic after uh, after listening to uh, or reading Labner's piece. So, um, do you uh, do you pick out any other questions? Um. Yeah. So like there was. <laughs> There was one. Uh, there was one that was uh, one that was interesting here about basically about if if we could pick our ideal um, our ideal groups our last few groups at Augusta. I mean, then we might have already kind of covered on that. But um, you know, did, did you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, like I said, I, I it's one of the the, the kind of the uh, more ridiculous feeling things to do every year leading up to it. Like, of course we want tiger. We want Phil and all that. But now <laughs> again, things are trending the way they are. It's kind of like, yeah, like let's, let's power rank this. I'd love to, but um, it's, I mean, obviously it's going to be tiger one. I think, I think Phil too. I think a tiger Phil showdown in their forties would be, uh, would be fascinating. And, but I mean, among the young guys, Rory's the, I think the most intriguing, um, and then yeah, we haven't even we barely talked about DJ on this podcast. Barely we talked a little bit of speed. Ugh. We barely talked about JT. Um, I don't. I think Rose just gets criminally overlooked by myself by everyone. That guy is yeah. so freaking good, and he's just because he's not the longest and he's not the sexiest name or whatnot. Like it would surprise me none uh, if he was if he was right up there in contention too. So. Oh, I don't know. I'm man. I, I'm super pumped for for these Texas events and all this stuff leading right up to it. Man, I'm real <laughs> real fired up for it. So there's also uh, I I don't have the the name offhand, but somebody had asked, um, do you think golf will do a made for TV primetime event this year or next, like Battle of the Bighorn? If so, who would play and what was the format? Uh, I think we've we've made, we may have you and I maybe even discussed this on this pod. I think those events are kind of dead. Um, they were yeah. kind of they were cash grabs back in the day when you know tournament purses were still growing and a lot of things were getting figured out. I don't think people would really watch it as much as we think that they would. Um, I don't, and I don't, I just don't see the production costs that go into it and lining up a sponsor for that. And I mean, part of part of like what makes tournaments appealing to sponsors and whatnot is that they can, you know, bring clients to them and, you know, play in pro-ams and have amazing opportunities for networking and whatnot. And that doesn't really exist for a sponsor of a one night primetime event. So, uh, I don't know. I would be surprised if it ever came back. I know they tried to revive it with Ricky and Rory and that got canceled. Like I got canceled for probably for a reason. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I mean, that that's kind of a sign to me that that's, that's not gonna, not gonna, not gonna come back. So, um, Get get some get some wolf that hammer going would somewhere, be or? interesting if you want to do like a half baked idea. Uh, uh, we <laughs> we got a few of those, but uh, t- Tucker oh, yeah. Blankenship asked a good question. Rank the closing stretch of holes of the three Florida events. Thank thank you Bay Hill for not naming your closing stretch. Just thank you so oh, much. Yeah, yeah. No no no. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, Bay Hills is pretty Bay exciting. Hills, Bay Hills the best. It's exciting. Right? Like Bay they Hills, give you the birdie hole. Yeah. It's one of the best birdie holes on tour. And they 
tough nice. par three coming back and a pretty tough par four as well, finishing hole. So that that's a good litmus test, I think. It's like you get one last little go at it here on 16, now figure it out coming in on 17, 18. That's probably my favorite, I would think, just because it's a good mix. I mean, like Innisbrook is tougher, right? Um, yeah. The bear trap know, is sure. not – I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't have even said it. I should- the closing stretch of the Honda – <laughs> is not that interesting to me. I mean, just because it's kind of carnage. I mean, they yeah. do finish with the birdie hole there. That that's a good, good finishing hole. But I think Bay Hill's probably the best, right? Yeah, no, it okay. is by far. All right. On that note, that's an hour. Uh, Sarson, thanks for your Sunday night. I got a, my Mountaineers here tipping Thank off you. here in uh, in three minutes. So I was trying to I was trying to run this up as close as I could before uh, <laughs> before that happens. So I got. I hope uh, if if they lose this game, which it'll already this podcast will already be out by the time that's over. Uh, my family is going to be quite <laughs> divided between West Virginia and Marshall. It's going to be it's going to be ugly. So I'm a little nervous right now. So I'm ready to get it going. So, <laughs> Sarson, appreciate the time, buddy, and uh, we'll yep. speak soon. And uh, let's enjoy the match play. I'm excited. We didn't talk about the match play, but it's going to be a good, good. week. Uh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take it easy, man. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Thanks, man. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most.